the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity? Or is there a real God and where is he when I'm really suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every day on this program. In these challenging times, we believe that God's word is the source to all our answers. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us today. I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, okay? Now last week was chapter 5, and there were basically three main points in chapter 5 that Paul makes. The first is that every one of us one day will pass from this life into the next. That's what he talks about in the first nine verses of chapter 5. There's no exceptions. Every one of us one day will cross from that life into the next. The second thing that he says is that when that happens, that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we talked about how we're all just one heartbeat away from crossing over from this life into the next and standing before an almighty God. And then he spends the rest of chapter 5 talking about if those two things are true, and they are true, then those of us that are saved, we ought to spend the rest of our lives here on this earth doing everything we can possibly do to help lead people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, he says that we've been called to the ministry of reconciliation, and he says that we have uh, been called to do that, and he calls us to be Christ ambassadors. And in case you have any doubt, when you get over to chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Paul says, I tell you that now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of what? Salvation. Don't Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next month or next service because today you're just one heartbeat away. He just wants you to know that if you're not saved, I want you to give serious consideration even today. Don't let this hour go by without seriously considering giving your life to Christ because we've got all the fires. We have earthquakes, we have gas leaks, we've got freeways, we've got terrorist threats. We're all just one heartbeat away. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. And then he spends the rest of chapter 6 talking about two major things. The first half or rest of this chapter, he says this. He speaks to the degree to which he himself, Paul, sacrificed in order for them to hear the gospel. In other words, he was, he's been talking in chapter 5 about every one of us will pass in this life to the next. We're all just one heartbeat away from standing before an almighty God. Therefore, we need to spend our time 
serving as Christ's ambassadors and trying to point people to Jesus Christ. And when he comes to chapter 6, he just wants them to know, write this down, he wants you to know that he practices what he preaches. He's not just telling them to do this. He has spent his life trying to point people to Jesus Christ. I want you to just look at this list. We're not going to dig into this. I just want to read through it quickly. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 4 He says these words, in great endurance, in troubles, these are all the things he's been through, just so they could hear the gospel. And you'll notice most of them are plural. It didn't happen once. It happened over and over again. In great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, and distresses, in beatings, plural, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, impurity, understanding, patience and kindness in the holy spirit and sincere love verse 7 in truthful speech and in the power of god with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left through glory and dishonor bad report and good report genuine yet regarded as imposters known yet regarded as unknown dying yet we've we live on beaten yet we've not yet been killed sorrowful yet always rejoicing poor yet making many rich having nothing yet possessing everything and if you go down to verse 13 he says As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts. In other words, he's saying, I'm I'm an open book. I'm telling you everything I've done in my life just to give people a chance to hear the gospel. And then he says, I want you to do the same. I want you to open up your heart and get on board with being Christ's ambassadors and being involved in the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? Amen. I look at that list and I have to ask myself, have I gone through any of those things to help people know Christ? I've never been beaten. I've never gone to prison. At least not yet. You can tell I've never gone without food. I suppose I've had a few sleepless nights. That might be due to drinking too much caffeine as opposed to having a real burden for the lost. When I read through the first part of that chapter, what it says to me, and I look at all that Paul did, it says to me, Dudley, you need to step up your game. And I think some of you need to get in the game and start having a burden to reach the lost people of this city, to do whatever we can to help people find Christ. Many people are more concerned about their football fantasy statistics than they are about the eternal destiny of the people that are in your fantasy football league. Some are more concerned about getting through and around the traffic than we are about the salvation of the people that are inside those cars that we're trying to get around. Many people are more alarmed about a fire around your house that didn't even burn your house than you are about an eternal fire in a place called hell. We have more attention given to making sure the barista gets our order correct. I want a tall, hot, non-fat latte with caramel drizzle. (laughs) Sounds good, doesn't it? (laughs) I want a vente ice, skinny, hazelnut, macchiato, sugar-free syrup, extra shot, light, light ice, and no whip. And we got, it was like, we want to make sure they get our order correct. Have you ever considered the person asking you that question has an eternal soul 
Have you ever one time when you've gone through an order thinking about, I wonder if that person is saved or not. And when I drive through, I wonder if there's something I could say just to point them to Jesus Christ. Paul went through hardships in verse 4. He went through beatings and imprisonments in verse 5. He went without food. He went through sleepless nights. He owned nothing of worth as far as material possessions were concerned, according to verse 10. He literally gave his life so that others would have a chance simply to hear the gospel. And we should do the same. Amen? Amen. Now we come to the second half, which is the crux of chapter 6. I want you to write this down. He spends the last part of chapter 6 detailing the importance of striving and maintaining a holy and chaste life. In context, while we're about this business of helping people find Christ, those of us that are saved need to live a holy and chaste life. And there are four details. As I read through this text, were just, I could just see them. Just, they just kind of popped out as I read through the text. First one is the instruction. It's basically seven words. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers in verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, that's a word that they knew more about in those days than we know in these days, but most of us still know what a yoke looks like. I've got a picture of it. It's a, basically a wooden bar or frame, and it has two loops uh, that hang from it, and those loops uh, were to be fitted around the necks of two animals, and those loops in that yoke would hold those animals side by side together, and then it would force them to function as one. Deuteronomy 22 verse 10 the israelites had been instructed they knew these words do not plow an ox and a donkey yoked together that's a biblical command to the to the hebrew nation do not plow an ox and a donkey yoked together and there are many reasons there are many reasons why you wouldn't do this if you were uh plowing a field First, the obvious is they're two different animals. Can you say, duh? (laughs) It's like oil and water. It's like if you put that on a cat and if you put a a, a yoke together, a cat and a dog and lock their heads next to each other, I will tell you that is not going to end well. (laughs) And if you're trying to plow a field, you wouldn't do that with an ox and and a donkey hooked together. Now, not only are they two different animals, they have two different natures. One, the ox is cooperative and hardworking. The donkey is stubborn and feisty. And I looked at that picture, I thought to myself, in your marriage, Who are you yoked with? (laughs) Is your spouse hardworking and cooperative, or is that spouse stubborn and feisty? That's between you and God. You don't have to raise your hand on that. (laughs) But not only are they two different animals, they have two different natures. I don't have time to go on this. They had two different standings in the eyes of God. 
Because one of those animals was considered clean and one was considered unclean. The ox was considered clean to the Hebrew and the donkey was considered unclean. And Paul says, as a Christian, don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. You see, there are three characteristics of having a yoke around your neck tied up with someone else. One, it forces you into having a common goal. It is not easily broken. Number two, you can't get out of that thing. And let me just stay right here. A lot of people use this text in marriage. They really do. And uh, we were joking around about that. But there's nothing in this. They're not talking about marriage. Now, now you can apply it. I, I suppose you can apply it to marriage in many ways. One reason why they apply this is because uh, they, a yoke, you're, you're, you don't get out of that easily. And when you get married, uh, you, you're not supposed to get out of that easily. You're supposed to hang in there and, and work together. Now, I, I would never encourage a believer to marry a non-believer. I wouldn't do that. It happens all the time. But I would never say, yeah, this is a good idea. Uh, now, don't think that if you're married to a non-believer, you're supposed to get out of the marriage because of that. No, you're, you're, you're bound. Yes, you are bound there. Um, my point is, this text is not talking about marriage. We use it for that. But what a, what a yoke does, it, it forces you as a, to walk side by side. It's not easily broken. But here's what it means. Write this down, point three. It means that you work for a common master. When you're yoked together... You just don't yoke a couple animals and just let them go wherever they want. They still have to walk under the direction of a, of a master. And we as Christians, a believer, believers, we have a different master than non-believers. If you're a Christian, your master is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. You live your life here in a sense being yoked to Him. And you go where he leads, but he is your master. A non-believer, their master is the world. They, they march uh, to the beat, uh, the drum of the world. That's different than those of us that are saved. So he gives this instruction, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. But then he explains it. This is point two. And I want you to write this down. Christians are to be polar opposites with the world we are polar opposites with the world i trust that most of you know that we serve a holy god and i trust that you know that as christians we've been called to be holy people the problem is we got out of the world and we're trying to live for god But inside of us, the Bible explains this, that inside of us there's this battle that rages between the flesh and the spirit. So wherever we go, we have this battle, but not to mention the fact that wherever we go when we live here in L.A., it looks like culture as a whole is trying to drag all of us who believe in Christ, culture The peer pressure is trying to drag all of us away from the things of God. Now, you know that Los Angeles is not a holy place. How many of you know that? But this is where we live. 
This is where we live. We live in the midst of a very unholy city. I want you to say the name Corinth. Corinth was a large city. It was a wealthy city. It was a touristy city. I want you to thank Las Vegas. It was also a port city, convenient and popular stopping place for sailors looking to get drunk and indulge in whatever they could find. I want you to picture New Orleans during Mardi Gras. Corinth was uh, filled with shrines and pagan temples, one of which had a thousand temple prostitutes who every night solicited business in the name of false worship. Rome, and they were ungodly, uh, Rome had a phrase for people who indulged in immorality and drunkenness. Rome would say, oh, you have been Corinthianized. It's a phrase they had. I want you to write this down. Philippi was known for its compassion. Ephesus was known for its commitment, but the city of Corinth was known for its carnality. And Paul is writing these words to the church living in a very carnal city. And he says these words in verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And then he asks four questions. Question number one, for what do righteousness and wickedness, here's righteousness, here's wickedness, what do those two things have in common? Obvious answer, nothing. So then he asks, what fellowship can light have with darkness? What do they have in common? Obvious answer, nothing. He then says in verse 15, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial is another word for Satan. He's asking the church, I got a question for you. What do they have in common, Christ and Satan? Obvious answer is nothing. And then he asked this question What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Obvious answer, nothing. And what he's saying is that the nature of a Christian, the pure nature of a Christian, the holiness of a Christian, and the pollution of a pagan were never intended to run together with the same harness. Because when you become a Christian, God actually calls you out of the world. And the principle of being separate from the world has been a prevalent teaching in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We've been called to be saints. And the word saint means to be set apart. We've been called out. Christian, by definition, are the called out ones from this world. And we've been set apart to serve God and to do the will of God here on this earth. First Peter chapter 1, verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I, the Lord God, am holy. Here's the difficult 
part, most of us do not realize how worldly we are, including the pastor. If you live in this world, the world is constantly rubbing off on you, whether you realize it or not. It'd be like you wearing a white shirt and going to your favorite barbecue place and eating a full slab of ribs. I guarantee you when you're done eating that slab of ribs, you're going to have barbecue sauce on that white shirt. Like wearing a white wedding dress and you go eat and right before the, right before the wedding starts, you're getting ready to walk out and you go to all your wedding dress. You go, man, I'm hungry. I, I feel like a, I need some spaghetti. Spaghetti? Yeah, I, I know. We're getting ready to do the wedding. I know, but I'm hungry. You can't eat spaghetti. Oh, I, I have to have some. I'm not walking out. Let's have spaghetti. I guarantee you before you take the first bite, you're going to have spaghetti sauce on that, on that wedding dress. Go take a shower and get as clean as you can. And walk into one of those restaurants back in the Midwest where they still allow the patrons to smoke cigarettes inside the restaurant. When you walk out of that restaurant, you're going to smell like an ashtray yourself. It's the nature of the world to corrupt that which is good. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good what? character and what that means is this here's a guy that's on fire for god and here's a guy who just living in the world and the two of you are going to go out and you're just going to chill going to hang out and watch the ball game or something you as a believer if you just go hang out with an unbeliever that unbeliever is going to corrupt your good character that's why when you raise a boy or a daughter in your godly home and they go off to college as a freshman they meet somebody that corrupts everything good you put in that child for 18 years you wonder how'd that happen it's a biblical principle bad company corrupts good character now it's not supposed to be that way because what we want is we want when the Christian spends time with the non-Christian that we're hoping that we rub off on them. Now, that will happen if you're intentional. But the problem is most of us run around with the world. There's no thought in our head about trying to reach that person. So we just go around. We just, we're, again, we're just chilling like villains, just hanging out with them. And if, you, if that's all you do, then you're in trouble. But if you meet someone and you're spending time with them, and every word and every thought is, I wonder what I can say, and I wonder what I can do to meet this person or spend time with this person to draw them into the kingdom of God and teach them the things of God, then you'll begin to influence them. The problem with most Christians today, you can't tell them apart from people who are not Christians. They just look the same, act the same, talk the same, go the same places, dress the same, everything's the same. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. 
You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. If you're like me, you've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening today. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.